Hello and welcome to episode 28 of season 4 of The Three Amigos. I'm Don and I'm joined as always by my amigos Mars and PJ and our amiga Kylie. Say hello folks. Buenos dias. Hello folks. Marzi isn't saying oh. anything tonight. He's, oh, um, sorry. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, good stuff folks. Uh, as always, begin our show with a brief review of the game week that was. Um, and it, before we firmly put it in our rear view mirror, we're recording tonight's episode Wednesday the 21st of April as tonight's clash between Villa and Man City is ongoing with uh, two red cards on that one. And of course there's one game to go in this elongated game week 33. Top amigo so far this game week has been RK on 79 minus the four with uh, with Martinez ongoing, hopefully a penalty save coming from him. And, uh, and Ian Acho, of course, in tomorrow's game. Um, Kylie, any more players coming? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think it, it's just those two. So yep. Triple yeah. Captain Son. So um, how happy are you feeling about that one? I'd say relieved more than anything. Um just because the, him missing the uh, or sort of having the first goal ruled out, it was sort of looking like it wasn't going to go my way. So, so getting the pen and uh, what looks like Max bonus there actually means he'll equal Kane. So it, it's a moral victory. Um, I'll, I'll how definitely. It, how is it a moral victory when it was a 90th minute penalty and Kane got injured? Oh, please. He had a goal ruled out. Kane got injured. Who cares? The point is that there was a lot of uh, people in the community quite loud, basically saying, if you didn't go for Kane, you know, you're an idiot. So it it basically turned out to be not such a bad decision by you, just a little bit of a bad decision. So it's it it worked out okay, Kay. It worked out fabulously. (laughs) Yeah. Um, no, I'm happy for you. I had San as well, and San was like 97%, I think, effective around my my rank. So I was going, I was taking the smidgen of of points off him gladly. Um, I was second of the game week so far on 72 minus the eight. 72 minus the eight, yeah, that's it. Um, took in, took a big hit uh, for Lingard, Ianacho, and. And Sice for um brought them in for Mitchell and Foden and Aguero and of course Foden scores but I I kind of don't like not owning Foden I do enjoy watching them but um but that Pep roulette I decided I was I was rid of it all I wanted to get rid of my Man City assets and been fairly happy with the game week so far even though it seems like one that's gone on for about three years with all the um, ESL drama during the week. Um, next up, we have PJ, who's on 63 so far. PJ, how are you feeling about that one? Yeah, well, the majority of those points coming from, from Kane and Son. You know, I said on the pod last week, um, doesn't really make any difference who you captain. They both probably get 10 to 12 points. You know, don't want to say that I predicted something right for once this season. But there you go. So 36 points from, from those two. Uh, and I got uh, Loris, who kind of somehow scraped his way to a kind of one game week clean sheet six from two non clean sheets and save points, but other than that, it was the usual shit show. Obviously, the Salah benching really hurt because um, uh, you know that probably means I I lost a couple of head to heads this week because he was he was my big kind of asset on those players. Um, I've still got Fafana and Inanacho to come, 
So I'd like to think I can probably scrape to kind of a decent 70, which is is a decent score. It's a green arrow at my derisory rank. But, you know, considering I would have had, what, six blanks in there, you know, in case of what might have been yet again. Mm, How do you feel about uh, how do you feel about people getting points off the bench to beat you in a head to head? Asking no, for I, a, just, I, just, friend. I just expect it. You know, <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, the other one of the other person I'm in head to head with is not not on Twitter. Has got has got as the flip side has got John Stones coming off her bench. So you know, you win some, you lose some. So, um, Mersey, you had a great week last week, um, a brilliant score. This week, you're kind of fourth of the amigos, but 56 minus the four. How are you feeling about your score? Yeah, it's a, uh, nothing special. Um, it's interesting. Most of us have, most of us have uh, similar front seven. It's my defense that let me down, which which what actually helped me last week. Um, you know, I didn't I didn't have the Wolves defenders or um, uh, the many of the defenders that kept clean sheets and uh, or Trent, for example, etc. Uh, but yeah, we move on. Uh, it's fine. I've got in, in a hatchet to come like most people. So hopefully he'll uh, he'll get something and then we move on to next week. So yeah, it's uh, not great, but not that bad. No, not that bad at all. Um, PJ, this is the time of the show where we talk about those managers who are actually doing great in FPL this season. So um, how about you give us some of the readings? Are you going to give us the top five of the Three Amigos Classic League or are you going to throw um, me no, a curveball? I'm going to deviate from that this, this week, mainly because obviously it's not really a live update. We've still got a couple of games still to come. Um, and I'm, I'm saying uh, Diraj Aredi, Diraj Aredi's name in my sleep um, because I've uh, read it out so many times on this show. So instead, I thought I'd do a slight flashback, uh, a bit of a where are they now? And look at who were the top five managers of the Amigos League at the end of the first month in September and what their rankings were now. So these five players flew out the box. So Lewis Brown of Brownburn Rovers, who was fifth in the Amigos League. All of these players were in the top um, kind of 50K in the world with their kind of first month. He's now down at 330K, very, very average, uh, as is also Tim Lee and Mount Me Greenwood. Uh, and then Dr. Ziyech, Will King, uh, he's the one player here who's having a good season. He flew out of the blocks with 219 month one and is now currently at 19K. But not the same story for hits galore Matt Izayasha, who was the second amigo in September, one of the top 10K players in the world for the first month, and now 880K below even me. You know, which is a sad state of affairs for Matt. What happened? Right in, tell your woes. Um, and finally, September's winner by some way, uh, FBL Mumbai, Harsh Pandya, one of the best players in the world for that first month. Now just 190k. He's just kind of slowly kind of eat his way out. So I think kind of a bit of evidence there that a great start doesn't necessarily mean a great finish. Maybe they just yeah, listen to us for the first month and then stop listening. Very, very true. I just want to say something quite damning, right? It's not even just that uh, number four is, you know, a bit behind you. I may be slightly ahead of him potentially this week. There you go. I might. I look like I'm slipping. Um, slipping into the 800s, maybe. Have, so, you, have you been? Have you been in the top one million yet? Is this your first foray into it? Uh, look, no. I would have been. I think maybe at the start, sort of clinging around there, but it's the first, it would be the first kind of proper time, yeah, because don't forget for like 
first half of the season, like there was a good period there, maybe from six weeks in, where I was like four million for so so long. So I've just, I've just checked, and you've never been in the top one million. Um, I- <laughs> you started the season at one point seven million. And then it was been a slow decline to four million and then a slow incline up now to the dizzy heights of 800k. You live rent free in his head, Kay. I do. Yeah. Look at that. He knows my rank better than I do. Yeah. Because you've been the only player all season below me. So I've had to, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Clinging to that. Well, yeah. you know, I mean, maybe things are changing. You know, more well, is still behind. Yeah. You know. Thanks for your moral triple captain victory. Anything's possible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't forget Net Nacho last week. That was a good choice. Yeah. I made that captaincy choice. And anyway, shall shall we move on? Because Mersey yeah. has, I'm 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 I don't, doubt Mersey has much really to be to be ranting about this week. I'm sure there's nothing he wants to get off his chest. But oh, if there is Mersey, you can take it away. Me. Yeah. Believe me, the rateometer, the the rantometer, sorry, was off the scales. Uh, over the weekend and the last few days and then suddenly it's just turned because literally like and, and I know to, to some it might come a bit over dramatic but I could see my love of football disintegrating in front of me because of some idiots that know nothing about the game and my club being taken away from me and I wrote about it on Twitter yes I you know I came to the country couldn't really speak uh, English that well and for me football was my language made friends etc fell in love blah 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 all of that and for them to take that away from me and I'm not you know and call me a, a, a what was it um legacy fan what a lot of absolute bullshit um was it was heartbreaking, honestly. And I, Don, you and I were talking separately about it, saying how we were feeling. Like, I just couldn't put it in words, to be honest. I, I felt my club was slipping away from me. Again, I know it sounds over dramatic, but you know there was never going to be like, oh, all right, well, I'll just go support Spurs or something like that. Only saying Spurs because I live in Northwest London and they're probably the closest. Um, but luckily, luckily for once, never ever say complaining, rioting, without damaging anything. Going against the bad people does not work. Never say that. Never say the fans don't matter. Never say our voice will not be heard because we turn this around. It could be a ploy by, by, by the clubs. I don't care. But people listen. People showed. It actually united Liverpool, Manchester United, Manchester City, um, Chelsea, all the fans together. And for once, the fans and the players were all united against greedy owners. And I'm so glad it turned around because it was absolutely a lot of bollocks. It's very true of what you say. The fans definitely had an impact. One thing I would say, and I think I think that sometimes the fans and public support or, or um, uproar had, had a definite effect and it can always have an effect. One thing I think that majorly made this a lot different than a lot of other things, which didn't make any, any um, groups turn around or ownership turn around quite as fast, was the blanket media uproar which happened around the same time and it literally was around the clock. And a lot of them companies are invested in some way. If it was Sky, potentially, who'd been involved in the negotiation for this, we might have had them advertising this Super League as being the greatest thing since sliced bread, for all we know. But the fans definitely spoke. Um, My main thing in, in our discussion was this thing shouldn't really be a massive shock for people to see billionaires 
literally destroying things for their own profit and gain because this is not something that should be new to people or something that they shouldn't be considering. This is just what billionaires do. They have an insatiable desire for money, for power. And one thing I would love to see is this same kind of uproar in general about what billionaires are doing to the planet. Because never mind football teams, they will destroy football teams. They'll destroy the entire planet because greed is not good. Greed is literally what will destroy what we're talking about in our heritage. And Mars, me and you were having our conversation about what Liverpool means to us. And a lot of it is the belief that it's, you know, it's it's working people. It's the common kind of aim. It's the competition of it. It's not raising trophies every single year or having a bank balance of the billions or signing superstars every year, Real Madrid style. It is supporting our club and having it feel like it's like it in some way reflects us. And um, these billionaires don't reflect us at all. Anyway, that's all I have to say, Mersey. Have you something more to yeah, say? I just, yeah, I, I, a couple of points to talking about millionaires. I thought what 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 came across uh, this weekend is the the ones that that care, the ones that matter. And I thought Bamford was absolutely spot on when he said, "I wish there was this much uproar about racism." Absolutely brilliant. I, I loved the guy before and I have so much more respect for him, you know. But the other thing that I wanted to touch on quickly before I know PJ and Kylie will have the, their points on, on it because it's, it was the main topic. It's, yeah, I found it absolutely hilarious and ironic that Sky took the high, the high road on this and the, the high morals and, and, and other people jumped on it as well. Let's not forget that Sky don't care about football fans. They put games when they want. The FA and the, the Premier League don't give don't give two fly, two flying fucks about fans either. They put games on when there's no, uh, the amount of times I had uh, to stay over because there was no trains or you have to take the bus that takes ten hours instead of a two hour train because they put a game to be live on TV to make more money. Let's not forget this. They might be the better of two evils right now because we know them better. But just because they sat there and it's like, and I said to you guys this, it's like Piers Morgan, right? Piers Morgan is going against the government. Fantastic, fair play. But you know everything that he's saying is to do to him, to raise his profile or something that will benefit him. And that's how I was looking at Sky when they were doing all of this. Yeah, good. But you look at yourselves and what you're doing. Let's push for this change. Let's look. The pandemic showed one thing. Clubs without fans are absolute zero. Zero. They are nothing without us. So let's push for more prices, times, whatever we want. We are the ones that keep these clubs going, whether they like it or not, whether they think we're legacy fans or not. We are the ones that keep those clubs going because without us, they are nothing. Yeah. Maza. True indeed, Mersey. Um, they, they need to be, they need their, their football institutions, the, the structure of football needs reform. And these these billionaires literally tried to push it further in the direction. And I think it was like the straw that broke the camel's back. Um, all of us are aware that changes need to happen. We all need to, as fans, maybe look at ourselves sometimes if we're always clamoring for a massive signing every year, because maybe we need to look at it and go, they need to be a little bit more sensible maybe in the purchases, maybe players' wages. If somebody's looking for ridiculous money, we just need to be okay with a superstar leaving our club. Maybe that's just one of the things we need to accept a bit as fans. But uh, PJ and Kylie, myself and Marzi have taken over the rant and our topic of the week so far. But um, what have you guys got to say on the topic? Well, pretty much kind of echoing what you guys do with, with, with just a couple of uh, kind of additional points that you guys hadn't raised that I'll touch upon. I mean, I went from some kind of rage and shame, uh, obviously, as a as a 
football fan and as a Manchester United fan to to kind of elation um, once you know we saw that obviously that the fans had 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 kind of won the battle, um, but you know we 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 haven't won the war, and I you know that elation which was doubled as a Man United fan because uh, we got the added bonus of Woodward handed in his resignation as well, um, who's been a, a sheer poison, a cancer on our football club, uh, working uh, underhandly for the Glazers to just strip us of our assets um, to line their pockets. But this is this is half a fight, um, like you say, and this. We, we can't stop now. And I think of all the things that were said by, by pundits, particularly obviously Gary Neville, who who is obviously a bit of a hero to me as a Man United fan and as someone who shares um, you know, a lot of political views. And I just love the way he talks. Um, you know, he talks on live TV in a way that I would love to be able to. But, I, you know, I'm not as articulate or as, you know, nerveless as he manages to. But the thing which really struck me was when he said so honestly that he felt he felt complicit. And that resonated so much with me as a Man United fan who has still supported this club throughout the Glazers era when I knew, yes, I've I've attended demonstrations and protested against the Glazers, against Woodward, but I still ultimately supported Manchester United. I still turned up to matches. I still paid Sky subscriptions to watch their matches. And this, this re- you know, I knew a couple of days ago this was it. If this carried on, this was me done as a Man United fan. I couldn't morally carry on supporting this football club if this was done. So obviously that's been pulled back from. But I and we as all these fans, particularly the top six, can't just sit there and say, yeah, great, we won that. We have to push on. We have to get the game reformed so that this cannot happen again. It can't be a case of in two years time, these guys try it again. These owners need to leave these football clubs, particularly Chelsea, particularly sorry, Man United and Liverpool, uh, but but also Tottenham and Arsenal, um, those clubs need to leave. Um, the, the owners need to leave these clubs. They need to be replaced by people who respect the fans. I don't think that those owners will be forgiven. So I do think they need to kind of move on, and we need to build build football clubs which give power back to the fans and to stop this ever happening again our government needs to pass laws while which you know they might do because our government love a bandwagon and this is popular right now that that does this and and the the other point i really wanted to make was i think how fatally they misunderstood the role of fans and obviously that which they've kind of omitted was the key to their downfall football is absolutely unique sport is unique but football most even amongst sport and the reason for that is simple Anybody in the fucking world can become a professional football player. You know, a lot lot of sports, that's also true, but it's particularly true of football, where people, regardless of class, regardless of race, regardless of their upbringing, can learn to kick a ball around, be talent spotted and start climbing up the ladder to success. That is why we have so many working class people who play this game, so many heroes and role models who resonate to people in all walks of society and I think we need to be working those those footballers need to play an even more important role than ever there's a lot of pressure on them and I don't want to blame footballers certainly don't want to blame them for this but footballers get a lot of stick because they earn shit loads of money but some footballers over the past year particularly Rashford and Henderson of both the clubs that obviously are represented here have been fantastic at resonating not just with fans but wider society and I think those football players need to step up now, know that it's the fans that ultimately, you know, help become them the players that they are. And they can be role models. They are what people listen to. 
people listen to the Rashfords and the Hendersons. They don't listen to the managers. They don't listen to the owners. You know, they don't listen to the bloody shareholders. You know, I think I think I would really like to see us as societies and local communities work with these players to start reforming football for the better. But, you know, anyway, Kylie. Well said. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think you guys have all covered most of the points, but I, I come at it from a slightly different perspective, a, a less emotional perspective, I suppose, because obviously I wasn't raised on football and I wasn't raised as a specific club supporter. The three of you, well, everyone involved in football who supports a, a club is feeling extremely emotional about this and completely understandably so. And the three of you support a club that was right in the thick of it. So that heightens emotions. Looking at it as someone who isn't emotional, I would still echo all of the same points because the the thing that does make, and you sort of alluded to it there, PJ, um, you know, in a wider sense, but what does make it a fantastic sport is the fact that it, it there's a story for an underdog. You know, this is what people watch. You know, we love to see Sheffield United um, come up from the lower leagues and, and get into the Premier League and almost get into Europe. Um, and you would think that wouldn't be possible. And, and that's not something that happens in lots of sports. Um, and at the heart of that is competition. You know, the ability that regardless of how much money you have, yes, clubs that have a lot of money are always going to be in a position to buy the more expensive, theoretically better players than the smaller clubs. But you can still, with grit and with drive, still be successful. And we, we see that in the Premier League. We see it with West Ham. We've seen it with Leicester. And that is something that makes it such an exciting sport to watch and be a part of. And there's obviously a huge cultural and community piece for fans as well, particularly in the backdrop of the pandemic, when it's something that has gotten people through. So there's so many ramifications there. And I mean, we've talked about how big business and billionaires can can come in and destroy something. Um, and uh, this is as a similar situation, but it's not anything to do with football, but it, I would, I, I want to use this example because it, it really does apply. Um, so my background from a career perspective, I work in marketing, but I actually was in publishing. Um, I worked for Penguin Books, um, which at the time was one of the top publishers in the world. Um, and Penguin Books was a company, although a massive global publisher, was a publisher at heart. It was like a little old um, publisher from way back in the day with a love of books. And everyone who worked there loved books, loved reading, loved being in publishing and loved the art of it. Just before I left to move to Ireland, um, we merged with Random House. Random House would be the other massive publisher in the world. Incidentally, it's now Penguin Random House and they publish like one in every four uh, fiction books in the world. But the thing about Random House is they were owned by a massive German company, right, um, that had nothing to do with publishing. They were all about making money. They happened to buy a publishing house. And when those two companies merged, Random House had, I think it was a 51% share, um, and they wanted the Penguin brand and the Penguin name and the, the history. 
And after I left, they asked all of the senior people from Penguin. And I remember going back um, when I was in Australia. It was maybe two, three years later. And I went in to the offices to, to catch up with the very few colleagues from Penguin who were still there in that new merger. And it was described as the Hunger Games, this place that was a wonderful place to work, genuinely a brilliant culture that people loved. It was like the holy grail if you wanted to work in publishing had been completely destroyed by this group who had come in who didn't who did it for the money but not for the books. Um, and that's a completely different industry, but it's exactly the same situation. This is the risk that you run when you have people owning something when they don't love the heart of what they do. It's about business. And that is what we have in this instance. They don't care about, you can't suggest going into a competition that is completely without competition and against the entire spirit of the game and what it's all about if you do not fundamentally misunderstand football. Yeah, no, hold, totally. You have to care about it on some level, otherwise yeah. um, it very much comes across. As much as they do try, the Liverpool owners in particular do, try to pay the lip service towards understanding and trying to educate themselves on what what is important to Liverpool fans. They've done that. The Glazers haven't even done that. Abramovich doesn't barely do that. The by God Cronky at Arsenal doesn't do that. He I think he even pretends he's like the, he disowns them. He just wants the money coming in from them. That's basically it. But they don't they don't care. And um and that's they need to they need to get out of the game, all of them do. Um and yeah, as as everyone has said needs to be a major restructure of the way clubs are run, whether it's, you know, looking at salary cap, looking at structuring players to performance contracts. I don't know what it is. There's a ton of things that can be done, not just let's all try to fleece the fans for a little bit more and try to churn a little bit more money into our own pocket. Um, but, folks, I think we've talked about the topic of the week and some great thoughts there. And um, thanks, Mayanna. Hopefully the listeners appreciate it. And, and agree, and we'd love to hear their thoughts in the comments when this pod drops. Uh, Marzi, I'm going to hand it over to you to hit us with our listener questions because that's what we're going to use to round out the show tonight. FPL has taken a little bit of a backseat this week, but I'm sure all of our listeners will understand that. Yeah, sure, no problem. So um, we have uh, the first question come from uh, Nuclear Atoms, at Atoms underscore Nuclear, and I believe uh, they're a new listener. So welcome. Uh, look, I'm not going to ask a question about what disgusting behaviour my club's president, Florentino Perez, did. Let's just focus on FBL. Uh, is Mason Greenwood now the man United asset to own because Bruno has dropped off since Pogba has come back? PJ, as the resident United fan, what do you think? I mean, I could talk long and hard on this, or I could just give a very simple yes. <laughs> well, let, let's give a little bit more context and why. <laughs> uh, he's in. He's he's in. He's a form player. You know, he yeah. he's, he uh, he shoots on sight. Um, we, we we've got you know decent fixtures. Not great. I I I'd, the only thing that concerns me with Greenwood is the fact that obviously we're still involved in, in the Europa now if we're not kicked out of it I don't know but I assume we will finish the competition um, <laughs> uh, and obviously we're you know we're going to come second in the league I think whatever so um, 
Ole has continued to play his strongest team in the league, but I'm, I'm not sure how long that will continue in some of the so-called weaker matches when we've got um, a, a Europa match either side um, in the semi-finals. So um, we'll we'll have to we'll have to see on that. Um, but if you're going to own a United player, I, I think he's I think he's the one to own. He's also he's also fit. He, he doesn't play a lot of football this year. He started the season really late. Um, due to an injury um, and then a bit of a personal issue, so he's he's kind of he's well into his stride at a point where a lot of our other players like Rashford and Bruno uh, just look knackered beyond all belief. So I think um, you know I think he's a fantastic asset to get for us. And uh, yeah, you know I wouldn't do a sideways move from Bruno to Rashford, but I would probably do uh, from Bruno to Greenwood. Sorry, but I would probably consider like a Bruno to Greenwood if you were then using the cash to upgrade somebody else to do, you know, to get somebody well, you want. Let's so. Say, so obviously we've got a blank game week coming and I'm sure list, listeners are aware of this. If not, well, there's a blank game week coming because we've got the Caboero Cup. So no City, no Spurs. Uh, I believe th- those are the two games that are not happening because, yeah, uh, just, just City and Spurs are, are blanking, I believe. No, no, so, and, uh, Fulham and Southampton as well. Fulham and Southampton. Yeah, they're okay. fine. All right, cool. So Fulham and Southampton as well as um, City and Spurs. Yeah, M- most people will have City and Spurs players. So would you move? Um, I-, I guess it's it's easier if you have a good a, good, a Gondo or a, or a Foden to these guys. Yeah, uh, what about Son? Have a KDB as well. Um, KDB is injured. But what about Son? Would you go Son to Greenwood? Um, I think I'd probably. Would yes, to be honest, uh, I I think the upside is is there. I think Man United are playing Leeds. I think if we had a really poor fixture this weekend, I probably wouldn't. But Leeds, what was it, six three, the reverse fixture? I think it will be similar again. To be completely honest, I think Leeds will absolutely come at us in light of the recent. Uh, kind of week's activity. Um, I think we'll want to go out there and give a performance. We've been quite lucky in the sense that because of this ridiculous truncated week, we, unlike Chelsea and Liverpool, who faced the most of the brunt of the fans, uh, haven't had to play a match. Ole hasn't even had to give a press conference or anything. So I think with the dust now settled, we'll have a point to prove as well on at the weekend. Um, so I think there'll be a lot of goals in that game. So yeah, I probably I probably would do it, to be honest. Spurs have got the, the cup as well where anything can happen. So, um, yeah, I, I, w- I would probably do that move, yeah. Cool. Okay, Don, anything to add to that? Um, no, I mean, I have Bruno and I'm not thrilled to have him. It feel, I, I don't think I can get rid of him ahead of the Leeds match for the reasons that PJ just outlined. Um, but I certainly am looking to move him on, um, the original plan being to, to Salah. Um, but I do think that um, Greenwood, certainly he's a much better price and he looks to be the more exciting pick at the moment. Um, and look, we're going to get rotation anyway for any of the teams that are still in European football. Um, and then we're going to see potentially some rotation with teams that are safe. So we're, we're just coming into that point of the season where I think you you have to just take that as the, the lay of the land and go for the form pick and the one that you really want. So I wouldn't worry overly about um his minutes i think he's an exciting pick cool um romero indolvu at romero underscore indolvu he's got regulon Cresswell and phillips so Cresswell is injured phillips is injured hamstring regular's got a blank we just mentioned 
for game week 33. Who is worth a minus four for sure? Would you take any of them uh, for sure? Don, what do you think? Um, give me them again there. So to bring in Shaw, he's got and... he's got he's got regular he's got yeah. regular Cresswell and Phillips. Yeah. Who would you take out to get Shaw for a minus four though? He's obviously made another move. Well, it all depends. I mean, the Phillips injury, I don't think that's too anything too serious. So I'd be thinking Phillips probably would be back in. Um, mm, probably regular. I don't I don't rate the Spurs defense um, at all. And so, but I don't know the state of the injuries. That's probably one of those ones that I probably leave yeah. until Friday. Um, but yeah, probably I probably wait on Phillips. And if you do need to make this decision, I wouldn't probably do. I never hit, like doing a defender for a hit anyway. And up against Leeds, I don't think Man United are going to keep a clean sheets. So you're basically banking on a, an attack and return from Shaw, which you certainly can do. Like. Yeah, but the other thing is, like, it sounds like he's got three. He could have three defenders out. So. You yeah. down to 10 men. So, in that instance, I think, yeah, what you Regular, wait until so the I go with so. Yeah, see. Yeah. See Depends if, on Criswell's, uh, how, how, how long okay. Criswell is out for. You're basically going to be looking okay. at the expiry date on their injuries, probably, because, yeah. you know, at this stage of the season, yeah. <clears throat> right. Uh, Adrian, Adrian JP15, best goalkeepers for the running. Not Menzi, Leno, or <laughs> Forster, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A lot of people, a lot of people were stuck with Mendy and Forster, and uh, it's been a bit yeah. of a weird roller coaster, hasn't it? Trying to try, with the goalkeepers this season. If you think back even to Pope and um, who else was the one that was a highly Ryan as well at Brighton, remember? And the the number of goalkeepers this season that have lost their um, lost their starting spot. I yeah. think I think I think if you're looking for a keeper now, I think I think one thing we've got to remember is that there are eight teams who are going to have uh, a double uh, a double game week still. Um, yeah. Obviously, Ben Crellin thinks that's likely to be in game week 35. It might be in 36, but um, these teams will have a double because of a because of the uh, FA Cup matches. So they are Villa, Crystal Palace, Everton, Southampton. None of those really kind of stand out. Arsenal, Chelsea, Leicester, and Man United, who who maybe do. So I would I would look at those eight teams. Villa, obviously, Martinez, I think is still probably the standout asset there because he makes so many saves. Um, so you know, obviously, Mendy, Leno, Henderson as well. There's question marks over all the kind of keepers rotation wise. Such a strange situation that these clubs are off often rotating their keeper Southampton as well so even Everton god I mean Pickford has been in and out with like little niggles and sort of stuff this season so if you're looking at players who've got a double game week it's really Martinez or what Gaeta Gaeta how do you pronounce that guy's name at Crystal Palace or um Schmeichel at it's definitely not a bad effort considering your previous yeah. efforts with other players uh, no, I completely agree. Look, I think if you have Martinez, you just stick with him. I mean, look, yeah, I know that I think he just got one, a one-pointer against City, but, I mean, that's a bonus, let's be honest. I like the look of him. I like the look of Sanchez as good keepers, good keepers who make saves. Brighton seem to have tightened up a little bit. Uh, and also, um, Ariola has been so unlucky, right? Like, so close to clean sheets in the last two games and just taken that right at the end. So, yeah, I, I know what you mean. And definitely with the, with the, um, with the double game week, you, you've got to... You know, go go with a with a with a 
team that has less games. So, yeah, completely agree with you. Anything else to add, guys? No. Right, so I believe, yeah, so the rest of the questions are a bit more um, uh, kind of like different style. Um, so, uh, will the Amigo, uh, so, oh, yeah, sorry, um, uh, at FBA Athletics, who's the Bella Sully? Uh, will the Amigos, who, um, who are supporters of the Big Six, continue to do so if they push ahead with this plan, or will allegiances change? Well, uh, obviously, the plans didn't go through, but let me make another thing clear. John, John Henry is the owner of Liverpool Football Club. He does not represent Liverpool Football Club, nor the club that I loved or support, or love or support. Uh, owners come and go. Liverpool Football Club will always be Liverpool Football Club. So even if they're in the conference, I'll be supporting Liverpool Football Club. Yes, I'm a foreigner who came here and maybe I started supporting Liverpool because my dad was supporting them and they were good when he was supporting them. But in the 90s, believe me, there was no fun sitting with the United boys whilst you're a Liverpool fan. But I fell in love with the club, the ethos of the club, the players, the scousers, everything about it, the managers. So no, there's no way in hell I would change a club. No way in hell, nothing will make me change the club. Mm. Definitely not the owners. We don't, we don't chant for the owners from the cop or no. from our TV, in front of our TV sets. Um, we cheer for the club. But it, uh, no doubt, my, as, as we were saying in our, um, in our discussions during the week, it would affect if they were in some competition that I felt was because one thing about it is obviously it might be financially to the betterment of Liverpool for them to be in some sort of Super League, some closed thing where they were guaranteed to be getting X amount of money in every week. But that's not at all what I'd want to be supporting. I prefer Liverpool to literally have to be sold. We go down into the bleeding conference and I'd support them from there. Um, then them go into some shell of a competition like that. But no, I would never stop supporting Liverpool. It's too, part, too big a part of my life, really. Um, and which was why it was actually so emotional and so um, sad to see somebody dragging its name through, somebody who's no right to, except that he's got money, um, drag their name through the mud this last week. And I know the same for Man United fans. They're cl- they have a great club, and the Glazers certainly don't represent Man United. Indeed. What about you, Phil? No, I would have, as I as I said, I I, I would not support Manchester United having gone into a European League. I would have, I would have ended ties for the club. But you know, but not in, in a way that like you can't, like you you can't say goodbye to something that's been a part of you for thirty five years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I would, it would have still been there in the background and. Had it crashed and burned, and yeah, we started at the bottom of the football pyramid again, I would have jumped back on in a heartbeat. Um, I wouldn't have been able to actually kind of support, um, you know, another team. I obviously live in Sheffield and I, I follow the Blades locally, but you can't replicate that that amount of time that no. I've invested of my life into that club. But I would not have been able to watch the matches, to attend the matches, to support us in a European Super League. No, so I'm very, very great. Emotionally, it would have been less, in, I would have been less invest, invested, 100%. Um, but, but not to the degree where I would change clubs. Absolutely not. No, no, I couldn't, I couldn't really. Yeah. I think I would just have drifted away from football, you know, as an entirety. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Holt uh, Dilligaff at Austin 66 UK welcome back long time listener he's been away for a while but always there looking after all the content creators with his exciting league that he runs so we appreciate you for that 
would you be in favor of uh, like me supporting the top 800,000 FPL managers breaking away to form a super FPL league? If so, I'll be in the top 100k. Kylie, what do you think? Well, no, yeah. Kylie, you're just out. Yeah, I, I <laughs> even with my my excellent efforts of the last week, I still would miss out. So I'm I'm the other 14 there. You know, I'm the other, what, 6.2 million, and I just couldn't support that. Um, I think it would just be too much for me, Jeff. I, I couldn't be happy for you. No. <laughs> um, I'd be bitter. Canan uh, uh, at FBL Kai 7. Uh, is Florentino Perez a world-class liar? I mean, we haven't talked about this idiot and his ideas and how he said, nobody's going to pull out, we're going to do this, we'll run our own World Cup. I mean, genuinely, what do these people actually drink and smoke? Sometimes I might need some of it. Don, what do you think? Is he a world-class liar? Yeah, he's a world-class nut. Or is he just deluded? World-class nut job. Deluded? Yeah, but I, his his things was like, oh my God, granddad, get off the flipping gas and go to bed like. It was like somebody put, switch off his internet, but um, no, he lost the run of himself, and I think that was half of it. Was probably John Henry and these lads were um, were looking at his rant when he was going on um, with when he, I don't know what he was actually what is he even talking about. He was just he was going on in such a way that they must have been going. We're after signing a contract for this guy to be our president, to be the head of our organization. And, um, my God, it, it was embarrassing. So, no, I don't think he's a world-class liar. I think he would just literally say anything to uh, to get himself elected at any stage and also to, uh, to to get any deal across the line. Yeah, probably. Um, Jimmy Leclerc at Claret FBO. In on of our post-ESL world, what's your favourite post-punk? He says bank, but I think he means band, question mark. Monkey, I'll come to you. What's my favourite post-punk band? Yeah. Um, it's a bit of a, <laughs> a bit of a broad description. Do we want to go to someone else first? Well, I, I can't. I, you're tr- you're trying to think. Yeah. What's what's what would we consider now? Let me think now. A post-punk band. I, I I was never into punk, you see, at all. Um. No, 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 was I. So I'm not really so, sure what to say to that. I mean, I, I assume he means like the kind of 80s mod squads of like yeah, yeah, yeah. Jam, Clash, Cure, that kind of bands. So I don't know. Uh, can we count New Order? I'm just going to say New Order. See if he allows me it. I don't, <laughs> yeah, Jimmy's not going to be impressed at all with this answer. <laughs> um, I've let him down. I've let him down. Okay, you come across as a punk girl. Uh, what do you think? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Her favorite punk singer was um, was called Andy Cole. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Um, yeah, no, I I I've never even heard of New Order. Uh, I mean, Post punk is still pre Kylie, so you know. Yeah, that's, that's true. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That, that is absolutely true. Um, I am uh, no, no. <laughs> yeah, move, move, move swiftly on. I think. Uh... <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, this question can can probably take us into uh, captains and transfers. So, Robaldo at Rob underscore um, Red underscore Devil. Would the Amigos encourage FPL managers to not bring in any players that play the greedy six as sign of protest against those clubs? So, Don, I'm going to hand over to you. I will just jump in here. He is a United fan for context. This is Rob Mann. And he might yeah, be looking yeah. for a little bit of competitive advantage in the mini league, perhaps. Online, doing like a million miles better <laughs> mm. than me at this season. 
So, so Don, I'm going to hand over to you. Hand it over and, to me. Uh, yeah, the, to, the, to go into the captain transfers and we can have that discussion, I think. Yeah, sure thing. Um, yeah, so this is the section of the show, of course, where we discuss our plans and our captain picks. Um, first of all, I'll say my little my little take on that. I wouldn't. I don't let anything like that. I mean, I've picked Man City pl- players, Man United players. I'll pick any player really because I don't think if I thought that it had any effect whatsoever on the share price or the success of the team on the pitch, um, then I would. You know, I'd I'd make my selections and I'd gladly take lose FPL points um, if you know if it hurts those play- those teams that I didn't like. But um, no, I don't think it has much of an impact on me. But uh, Kay, uh, come to you. What's your thoughts on that? And also let me know who you're planning on captaining and transferring in this week. I mean, no. Like, I am pretty universally ruthless. Um, The only people I won't bring in are the people who have uh, traumatized me in the past. And let's be frank, that's a quite long list this season. Um, my ability to be unbiased has gone out the window. So if I just started excluding six of the, well, you know, bigger sides, then I've, I wouldn't be able to string a team together. So, no, I don't think that it has anything to do. FPL is a game that we play. Um, I don't think that you need to kind of bring that into it personally. So it wouldn't impact me at all. Um that said, I have no idea what I'm doing this week. <laughs> so, <laughs> because uh, <laughs> th- this week is a very difficult one, though, to know, because as we were mentioning earlier on, there is so many injuries, especially with Kane, yeah. for instance. Um, if Kane was going to be out for a couple of weeks, then that could be the potential you know, move to, you know, to downgrade him to be able to get in Salah or to, you know, to make a few different moves. But it's, it is really a lot of it's down to the injuries. PJ, are you any more clear in what your plan is for the coming game week? Um, yes and no, in the sense that I don't have a keeper. Um, uh, so uh, um, I've, got to make, I've got to make one transfer then, uh, there. And... I've got, um, you know, I've got a full 11 apart from that, um, including a bench. I'm just benching currently Kane and Son. Um, and then I got 12 outfield players uh, and, um, yeah, no keeper. So my my move was just going to be Laurie's probably probably to Martinez, or I may I may get Schmeichel um, instead. I haven't quite decided yet. Uh, the, there's a number of caveats there in the sense that Kane, Rafinha and Phillips obviously all missed their last games and if any of those injuries turn out to be serious uh, I may be forced to take a hit just so that just to kind of go a week early probably on a player I would want like Greenwood was someone who we've already mentioned um, you know, kind of kind of somebody like that but I plan just to make the one transfer this week which will be for a keeper which is you know, like you know the most boring transfer you can make in FBL really is when you you know, and I very rarely do it because keepers tend to be only changed on wild cards. But so, yeah, you know, pretty, pretty boring for me. I think the captain decision see, is is the most key this week. And I don't really have any idea on that. I'll probably stick it on Salah because we obviously know he just had a rest. But I'm very tempted by a bit of a punt on, on Rashford uh, against Leeds. Um, I'm very tempted by Inanacho. Uh, against the rancid on the beach Crystal Palace team, 
Um, and obviously, I've still got Danny Welbeck against Sheffield United. <laughs> yeah. The, 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 what, what's your thoughts, though, on Rashford? I think the Man United discussion, and come to you, Marzi, in a second. But, um, like, the Leeds fixture would have looked like a real good one for a potential Bruno captaincy, um, or, as you mentioned, Rashford. But Leeds have been fairly good and fairly tight. They haven't conceded many goals in, in these, what has been tough fixtures. They have. I think they've been better away, though, because the nature of the way they get they set up, it means they're a very destructive obviously very fit, ball-chasing team uh, away from home, and particularly when they're playing those bigger teams. Um, they, sorry, they sorry, they're, they're fit and ball-chasing. Sounds like um, sounds like a bunch of girls <laughs> in a hen night in Brighton. Apologies. I'm ashamed I said that. Sorry, Kay. Potty melt, potty melt. Kay, <laughs> hey, are, are you a woo girl, by the way? Do you, do you know what a woo girl is? You know, one of those girls who get far too overdressed for an evening at what is essentially an Italian restaurant near their house and then just woo every time they do a fucking sip of a drink. <laughs> that, that that was even more um, random. That was a more random segue than the way I, I went. You couldn't see my face, but, you know, to communicate the level of disdain for what you <laughs> just suggested toward me. I, I asked um, a question. I I'm not implying anything. I know the wooing was very distressing I, I wouldn't woo um and anyway that would distract me from my drink I but I am someone who does love to get dressed up I have a scary amount of clothing and shoes um because I enjoy such luxuries so yes I do like to get dressed up but I wouldn't say inappropriately for the venue just for what it's worth okay good to know Kylie thanks for that um <laughs> Really random contribution to this. Moving, moving back to what I, I think you're asking, um, I, I think the game will, will still be very open. I, I, th- I think Rashford and Bruno remain good captaincies this week. But we, bear in mind, we've had a week off, which obviously we haven't had for a while because of the uh, constant European action on Thursday nights. Um, so uh, I, I think, yeah, I think, the, you know, I think we'll be up for it. I, I, I think there will be five or six goals in that game. So I think a captain any of the Man United or even, you know, even the Leeds players. I think Leeds will score a couple of times. Dallas! You know, yes, definitely. <laughs> it's, it's captain in Mars. Come on. Come on, boy. Nah. Captain him. <laughs> I'll just start him. Um, yeah, for me, so uh, my, my moves were set, set a while back, to be honest. Uh, I need to bring Trent in, um, just the way he's playing. I'm a fan. Um, so, triple up on Liverpool. It's, uh, you know, all, for, I think it's all open for... For, for top four so um, we're going to go for it Trent is on a very very good form so he'll be coming in Aurier was always a, a double game week punt just to, to have an extra player thanks for the three points whatever you gave me and see you later and then um, <clears throat> so the other one will be most likely Son to, to Greenwood so um, yeah and then see, you know Kane will be benched and then we'll see how he's, if, if he's badly injured then he will go out as well the week after, so that's the plan anyway. Greenwood and um, TA for uh, Son and Aurea. And actually, just um, because I didn't say anything about, well, I didn't say anything at all, frankly, other than what I wear out for dinner. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, my, my captain is clear uh, because I had already set it. Um, it's Ian Atro again. So I would have captained him this week yes, if it wasn't the week. Um, 
So going back to, to Nacho, he, he fared me well in the previous game week. Um, and yeah, He's on fire. He's on fire. So, I mean, his form play, his form is ridiculous at the moment. Scored again in the FA Cup. So, um, yeah, happy with him. And uh, I'm in the same boat as everyone else on, on transfers. Uh, if all my players play, then I can get away with not making a transfer. But I do have the likes of Alonso. Um, who is, you know, obviously not guaranteed to play every game. So I am likely to change probably Diaz, who is on my bench for another defender, um, and, and just bench Kane and so on, unless Kane is properly injured, like you guys said, in which case I'll, I'll do something else. Do you think Nacho can yeah. do the business tomorrow? I've got quite a lot, lot riding on it against, uh, you know, a little known, well, certainly little, Irishman. <laughs> well, I think um, Nacho Nacho is my my love bug. I love him, and uh, he has been so kind. I'm really hopeful, and I do think. I mean, I I did captain him in that West Ham match because I thought that might be an open game, and I think this could be an open game as well. So um, I'm hopeful that he can get some points tomorrow. You never know. Just so he doesn't have him, how does he not have Nacho? He's a god. Well, he had Watkins, you know, because oh you, you freed him. So. Yeah. And uh, j- just to, to round it off, for, for, for me, my captain is at the moment on Salah. But to be honest, there's there's quite a few options, as we all said. So um, at the moment, Salah, he's, he's the most rested out of them, not in any competitions anymore. So, you know, let's see playing. Uh, 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 re... re um, I was going to say reinvent, rejuvenated uh, Newcastle, but I still think their back line is there to get at. So, you know, let's see. Yeah, it's um, Newcastle have looked better. Leeds have looked a little bit better defensively than maybe we'd thought looking at this game week from a little bit away. But um, I'm likely Son out probably to Salah was always my plan of exactly the right amount of money to do that. But I would like to have a little bit more of an idea of what's going on with Kane um, uh, because that is obviously the big one. Um, and the idea then leaving Kane on my bench basically for the week and um, bringing Salah in and likely captaining him. But folks, that's all we got time for on tonight's show. Bit of an unusual one tonight and my God, it meandered in some strange directions towards the end. But uh, we have been Mars, who you can find at Mars05, Kylie, who you can find at KylieFBL, PJ, who you can find at HinduMonkey and myself, who you can find at the Marple Curse. Make sure you're following our group account on Twitter and Reddit at 3 FPL. If you enjoyed the podcast, please give it a five-star review on iTunes. It's the best way you can help support the show. Thanks as always for listening and your continued support. Adios, amigos.